Hey, Venture, it's great to see you here today. Some of you I'm seeing in person right now, and some of you I'm seeing online. I'm so glad that you're with us. Can I piggyback off a couple things that Joy just mentioned? First of all, next week, Worship on the Lawn. Don't miss it. If you're in town, please be here. Bring somebody with you. Maybe you've got a guest that you've been meaning to invite to church. This would be a great friend event as well. And uh, it's going to be fun outside. We've got uh, free Kona ice. Some of you, uh, maybe you're thinking about baptism. Uh, can I just say, it will be a beautiful day to be baptized outside. We're going to have a baptistry set up. We've got some folks already planning on that. If that's you, come grab me after the service. I would love to talk you into being baptized. Worship on the lawn next Sunday. The week after that. Can I just say this? I'm excited about this season right now of church life. There's some really cool things happening because the week after next Sunday, we kick off our fall spiritual growth journey. It's called One Life. Why? Because you have one life to invest. Who's one person you're going to invest in? We're going to take seven weeks and unpack that, and it's going to be a great experience together. It's designed to be done together in community. A couple weeks ago, we talked about the value of community. If you're not in a small group, can I just say, why wouldn't you do that? For seven weeks, try it. Kind of stick your toe in the water. Uh, I dare you. If that's you, if you want to experience uh, this in a small group on your way out today, maybe stop by the booth out in the lobby. Uh, they would love to get you connected into a small group there. Um, let me say this about that series as well. Don't miss week two. So we're going to kick off uh, the 11th of September, the 18th of September. Have you ever wondered, somebody who maybe has not yet crossed the line of faith, you have folks that you know who maybe you look at their lives and you just wonder, are they living maybe far from God right now? Have you ever wondered, have you ever wondered what they think about? Have you ever wondered uh, how they view us? how they view the church. Well, you don't have to wonder. We're going to interview a panel of them right here on the platform that week. You don't want to miss that. We're going to ask honest questions, and we're going to get some honest answers. So don't miss that. Okay, let's catch up. As Joy mentioned, we're in week four of this series, Becoming One. And or becoming us. And uh, let's, let's, let's go back to the beginning. We uh, talked week one about vision. Perhaps you remember I had a set of binoculars up here on the platform. We talked about where we're going, our vision as a church. Week two, we talked about community. This was the call to action to get into a small group. I just mentioned that. This is all about who we are. Then last week, we talked about our future. We talked about next gen ministry. We talked about the idea of who we're becoming. This week, this week, we're talking about our mission. This is what we're doing. All right, just for fun. I, uh, I started a lifelong, can we call it a love affair, with uh, archery when I was probably seventh grade, eighth grade, somewhere in there. This is before uh, I, I used to work uh, in a farming community, baling hay and walking beans and detasseling corn. Then I worked on a hog farm. Before that, it was like a friend of a friend in the family had this stand that was at the county fair. I didn't work the county fair. That was like the big money. I was not invited to that. But like um, art shows, craft shows, uh, flea markets, that kind of thing. Logan County Fairgrounds in my hometown of Lincoln, Illinois, they would host these events. And uh, th this, this was a food stand. We served tenderloin sandwiches. 
But before and after, I would show up and work for tips. These vendors, maybe they had crafty kind of stuff. I would help them unload their car or their truck or their trailer and then load it into their booth. And when the thing was done, I would load it out of their booth back into their vehicle. And sometimes they would tip me. Sometimes they would stiff me. But sometimes they would tip me and I'd walk away super happy. Okay, on one of those occasions, I noticed this green fiberglass bow. It's a recurve bow. You had to like stick your foot in it like this, and then you bent it down and stuck the string on the knock and strung it. And oh my goodness, did I have so much fun with that bow. Because at the end of the thing, when I loaded them out, he had seen me eye in this. He gave me the bow. Pretty cool. Much to my mother's chagrin, I brought it home. And oh my goodness, did I have fun in the backyard shooting arrow after arrow from that bow. A couple years ago, perhaps you remember the pandemic era that we all lived through, that lockdown portion. Did some of you pick some reading material and read up on a subject during that season? I did. I read a book on the Comanche Indians. It's called Empire of the Summer Moon. It blew me away about the sport of archery and what people are physically capable of pulling off with a bow and an arrow. But you need to go back a little bit even before in history. Um, this has been a part of human, the human story for a very long time. Actually, just the last hundred years or so, we live a little bit apart from this. But before that, this was pretty integrated into the story of humanity. Way back. They're even right now still discovering things that they're pulling out of the permafrost. Have you ever heard of an atlatl? Raise your hands. Let me see if you know what an atlatl is. Or... Maybe it's pronounced atlatl, I'm not sure. Um, it's like a spear. I'm making you nervous over there, aren't I? It, it, it's not really a spear. It's like a giant arrow. And what you do is you load it up like this on this mechanical device. I think I've got a picture of what this might have looked like. Yeah, handsome man there with some furs on. And you would take it like that and you would throw it. And at the very last second, you would fling it like that. And by doing that, adding that just a little bit of mechanical energy, you put way more kinetic energy down range. We're going to talk about that here in just a second. Skip ahead, oh, thousands of years of human history. Uh, I did some time, we remodeled our kitchen several years ago, and uh, there was a, a podcast series um, all about the Mongols, Genghis Khan, Dan Carlin's Hardcore History. I can't recommend it enough. You have to pay for it, but it's like 12 hours of amazing content. My kitchen was remodeled to the tune of that podcast. And all about Genghis Khan and him conquering the Mongol Empire, and they conquered uh, much of China and other places. It's amazing what they pulled off. This is not what the bow or the arrow would have looked like for them, but this is what the point of their arrow probably would have looked like. I screwed this onto one I pulled out of the archery range last Friday, actually. This is called the Zombie Slayer. The Mongols didn't have that. This was in the ground. I pulled it out and kind of rescued, redeemed this, this arrow. It's too short for me to shoot, but that's, uh, that's what the point of their arrow would have looked like. The Mongols, oh my goodness, I want to talk today uh, about... I'm going to combine brutal warfare with a bit of high-brow art with just a hint of math. The Mongols. In the 13th century, 
These folks revolutionized the art of archery, the art of warfare. I've got a picture of what maybe one of their warriors would have looked like. It is said of the Mongol boyer, or the, the person that's pulling the bow here. This bow of mine is about 70 pounds draw weight. And it's got a back wall. You pull this, there's these cams here. It's a mechanical device. When you get all the way back, there's a let off of about 80%. So it only takes like 15, 16 pounds to pull this and hold it. Well, once you get it back, to hold it back there. Not so with that guy's bow. It's said that he's pulling a bow of about 140 pounds. And these guys, uh, it's like the guy at the gym that always skips leg day. It's said that their upper bodies, their physique actually changed because of the strength of the bows that they're pulling. And it's said that they could just launch arrow after arrow. Like, like just inside of a second or two, they could release three or four arrows. Can you imagine what it must have felt like to be inside the walls, peeking out through the gate of one of those Chinese walled cities? Maybe it looked like this. Looking out at the Mongol Horde coming down off of the steppe, the Mongolian steppe, down into this ancient area of China and conquering the interior. That must have been terrifying. Skip ahead a bit in human history. The book that I told you about just a bit ago during the pandemic era, Empire of the Summer Moon, it's all about a gal named Cynthia Ann Parker. She's the mother. She was an Anglo woman, actually as a little girl, her uh, band of settlers that had settled an area of Texas was conquered by a group of invading Comanche Indians. Killed most of the family. They captured her. She's raised in their community. She becomes the mother to the very last war chief of the Comanches. Some of the things that I read about the Comanches blew me away. They were prolific at bows. They could shoot from horseback. They could shoot from underneath the horse, through the belly of the horse. Actually, they ruled the Great Plains inside of living history. There are people who live in Texas today whose great-grandpa died by the bows of the Comanche Indians. And it took the Texas Rangers, actually it took the, invent, uh, the, the, uh, the they invented newer technology, the six-gun, a guy named Colt, because up until that point, the Comanches, they ruled the plains. They could fire a whole bunch more arrows in the time that it took you to shoot your Civil War musket and reload it. They were amazing from horseback. Can you imagine what it must have felt like to be a settler on the Great Plains and feel the force, that energy coming at you? Warfare, a little bit of highbrow art. I'm going to get to that here in just a minute. But I mentioned that there would be just a bit of math as well. Does anybody know what this equation is? Let's go ahead and put it up on the screen. Anybody recognize that? Anybody taking physics, maybe high school or college right now? That's the formula for kinetic energy. Kinetic energy of an object, this is the energy that it possesses due to its motion. In other words, kinetic energy, this is energy in motion. And the history of archery actually is chasing kinetic energy. Uh, energy all the way back from the atlatl era, you're trying to add some mechanical force to create downrange more kinetic energy f 
for what you're trying to hit with the arrow. This is even true of the modern era of bow makers. They're chasing more and more kinetic energy. You can do this a couple ways. You can make the bow faster, and they're trying to do that. You can also do it by adding more mass to your arrow. The big deal right now is it's called FOC, front of center. They're trying to put more mass and more heavy weight on the front end of arrows. arrows. Why? So that energy in motion, you have more energy, more kinetic energy downrange. What's this have to do with mission? I'm glad you asked. Here at Venture, our mission statement is we want to be real people. Real people that are loving courageously. We want to be real people that are sharing generously. And we want to be real people that are speaking truthfully. This is borrowed from a much earlier mission that Jesus actually gave his disciples before he died, was buried, resurrected from the grave, ascended into heaven. He called his disciples together and he said, this is your mission, energy in motion. I want you to get into action, go into motion to put energy down range. Why? Because we've got a world here to redeem. But I get ahead of myself. If you would, grab your Bible. And open it up to Matthew chapter 16. We looked at this text just a couple of weeks ago. We began the series with this. We're going to end the series. Matthew chapter 16, verse 13. If you've got uh, maybe one of those Bibles that are in the seat in front of you, go ahead and pull that out. And uh, you can open it up to page 983. Page 983, Matthew 16, verse 13. It goes like this. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, He asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? The Son of Man is Jesus' favorite nickname for himself. He calls himself this all the time. In other words, who are people saying that I am? When people talk about me, what are they talking about? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist. He was this prophet. You know John the Baptist. Actually, Jesus, that's your cousin. Uh, some say uh, John the Baptist, others say Elijah, this ancient prophet of old, famous Old Testament prophet, still others, Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, or maybe one of the other prophets. But what about you? I'm talking to you right now, Jesus said. He asked them, who do you say that I am? And what Peter replies with here is profound. Peter sticks his hand up in the air, ooh, ooh, me, 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 pick me, pick me. Peter Peter answered, Simon Peter said, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. He moves it from physical to spiritual. And Jesus replies, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter. Peter literally means rock in Greek. And on this rock, I will build my church in the very gates of Hades, the gates of hell will not overcome it. I, know, I love another translation that I think is actually a little bit more accurate in its translation there. That the gates of hell will not prevail against her. Who? The church. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church. This is the mission that Jesus is calling his early disciples to. Let's keep reading. 
I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he ordered his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. Why? You didn't want to mess up the mission. Keep it to yourselves, guys, because I need to go to a Roman cross and die to redeem the world. Loose lips sink ships. Be careful not to whisper this to too many people right now. I've got a couple of observations and a couple of challenges from that passage of Scripture. Let's paint our target, shall we? Have you ever noticed this? In this text, according to that passage of Scripture, hell has gates. This is to represent, for our purposes today, a hellish gate. I hope, no, more than hope, I know I'll never personally encounter the gates of hell. Why? Because Jesus redeemed me from my sins. My eternity is secure. I'll experience the entrance to his heaven, not hell. But according to the passage that we just read, hell has gates. Maybe they look something like that. What are gates for? Oh, you know this. They're to cover a hole in a wall. What's a wall for? Well, it's either for keeping people in or for keeping people out or maybe a little bit of both. That word that we just read in the original Greek language that is translated, the gates of hell will not overcome it or the gates of hell will not prevail against her, the church. That word there is... uh, This is a Greek word. It literally means will not be strong against it. The gate of hell will not be able to hold up against the forces of the church. If you're taking notes, write this down. Gates, at least in this context, what we just read, these gates are for defense. This is a defensive measure. The very gates of hell will not prevail against her, the church. So here's my challenge. In light of that, in light of the passage that we just read, all about the mission of the church, can I challenge you with this? Choose offense. I don't mean be offensive. I mean choose offense over defense. The rest of the time that we have together today, we're going to lean into that idea. What does it look like to be offensive? to go on the offensive, to pick up your arrow and really go to war here because the time is short. You have one life to invest. Jesus called to action for his disciples, oh my goodness, is to storm the gates. And oh my goodness, do they do that very thing. They storm the gates of hell. They literally get onto ships. They get onto the backs of like camels and they go all over the known world of their time and they storm the gates of hell. Jesus calls them on a personal mission that is a part of his larger mission and they say, yes, put me in, coach. Here we go. On the offense, storming the gates of hell. Here's the personal call to mission I would challenge you with today. I would challenge you with the rest of the time that we have together. Here's your action step. Target hell. Target hell. I've got two specific action steps I want to give you there. Remember, kinetic energy. This is energy in motion. 
This is about putting this faith into action to storm the gates of hell. Two ways I would encourage you to target hell. First of all, target hell on earth. You have one life to invest. Who are you investing in? Remember, this is energy in motion. As I share this with you today, maybe there's one of these that you hear, that's my action step this week. I'm going to lean into that. I'm going to target hell on earth by doing one of these things. This is our mission. We're real people. What do we say? Real people loving courageously. I like the word courage. I'm sick of this idea that the world is going to hell and we're just going to let it. I'm sick of that idea. I believe that the, the, the church of Jesus Christ is called to action, not passivity. Don't just let the world go to hell, but storm the gates of hell, hell here on earth. One of the ways you can do that is by loving courageously. I like that word courage. Have you ever heard the word encourage? Encourage literally means to put courage into somebody. Here's an action step for you this week. Who inside of your sphere of influence needs to be encouraged by you this week for Jesus' reasons? And maybe by doing this, you can literally storm the gates of hell. The fruit of the Spirit gets at this. You can actually make a decent argument that the fruit of the Spirit is love. And then the rest of those words is what love looks like when we put loving, courageous into action. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, self-control. Can I just ask you this? This week, who is it inside of your sphere of influence that needs to see the fruit of the Spirit put on display? Is he gonna? Yeah, he's gonna. I'm tired of this, this passive way that we view church life. Church, Jesus is calling us to storm the gates of hell. And one of the ways that he calls us to do that is by how we love. Courageously going after things. Charging the gates of hell. Loving courageously. What's that look like for you this week? Who can you encourage? What's another way that we storm the gates? By, by sharing generously. There's so many ways we can describe this. Who inside your sphere of influence needs you to share generously with them this week? Share Jesus generously with them this week. This is bringing Jesus to the point of need. By the way, don't just limit this to money. Who this week can you be Jesus with some skin on him for somebody in your life? Who needs to see the hands and feet of Jesus on display and they would choose, Jesus would choose you to share generously in their life and to point them toward him? And by doing that, charge the gates of hell. The Bible is filled with examples of people who are sharing generously. Several categories of people. Here's one, the spontaneous giver. He wasn't even planning to do this. Perhaps you remember the young man who showed up when there's a crowd of 5,000 people there. You could read about this in John chapter 6, verse 9. And the little boy has fishes and loaves. That young man did not wake up that day committed to giving away all he had. However, this opportunity arose. He was surprised by it, and he held loosely to his stuff. Jesus took his meager possessions, and he blessed thousands of people. Live with an open hand like that, seeking much fruit. 
The spontaneous giver. How about the devoted giver? You can see Cornelius as an example for this. We talked about him a couple of weeks ago. Acts chapter 10, verse 2. The Bible says that he was devout, he was prayerful, and he was generous. He lived this way both privately and, and publicly as well. It's how he led his family, how he led his career. In this passage, we learn that his constant devotion was recognized by God, and he was honored with a much greater assignment. How about the faith-filled giver? You can see her in the widow and her offering in Luke chapter 21, verse 2. The poor widow gives two small copper coins, and her gift just keeps getting smaller and smaller the more the author describes it. However, the result, as stated by Jesus, was that she gave more than anybody else because she gave all that she had to live on. Jesus measures the faith amount, and he makes small things big. How about the creative giver? This guy, Barnabas, Acts chapter 4, verse 36. Barnabas had something valuable. It was a piece of property that he owned. His eternal perspective um, and the needs around him caused a generous response in his life. The property that he owned was actually a gift from God, and it was a gift to meet the needs of other people. He sold the property, and he brought 100% of the proceeds to the apostles so that they could meet the needs of the community in Jesus' name, thereby storming the gates of hell. How about the crazy giver, the lady with the alabaster jar full of perfume? You could read about her in Mark chapter 14, verse 3. She brings this crazy expensive gift to Jesus. She actually was criticized for doing this. It was worth like a, a year's wages. She anoints his body before he dies. People criticize her, but Jesus applauds her. Generosity. Sharing generously. Who is it inside your sphere of influence this week? Maybe, maybe it's a single mom. Maybe there's somebody that you know. And by sharing generously, could you, in fact, point her to Jesus? I mean, if you're going to paint a target on the gates of hell, that's as good of any a target, right? I mean, sharing it generously, what if, what if we could have the opportunity to storm the gates of hell simply by sharing generously? And who, who could be in Jesus' heaven, rescued from hell because of your actions, generously sharing? How about this one? How about speaking truthfully? Jesus calls us to speak the truth in love. I bet there's somebody here today that the Holy Spirit has been whispering in your ear for a while now about your neighbor, about your coworker. You don't know where their eternity is secured. And Jesus has been whispering, the Holy Spirit has whispered in your ear, you should invite them to see the Jesus-filled life that you're living Speak the truth in love. There's a balance to be found there. We think we're being loving by not saying anything. No, maybe that's just passivity. Maybe that's just a lack of courage. We're called to speak the truth and to honestly, boldly reach out to people inside our sphere of influence because Jesus wants to rescue them from the fiery gates of hell. We'll storm the gates of hell 
Maybe the best action step for you this week is just simply to put that into action. Speaking truthfully. To move from defense to offense. To put your faith into action. Speaking the truth in love. And thereby storming the gates of hell. Okay. This is targeting hell on earth. And we get all fired up about that. We can get pumped up about that. We can leave here ready to rock and to do those things. But before you target hell on earth, could I simply suggest to you, I told you there's a couple ways to target here. Maybe target hell first in you. Let me clarify that. I'm not saying that, oh, you're destined for hell. No, 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 listen. Jesus redeemed me. When I made the decision to follow Jesus and asked him to be Savior of my life, to save me from my sins, and to be Lord of my life, my salvation is secure, and I'm going to spend eternity with him in his heaven one of these days. I'm not worried about hell. Not as an eternal destination, because I'm going to heaven. But I do need to fight against the hellish kind of things that try to sneak their way back into my life. I don't know about you, but I'm talking about your inner life here. Before we get too fired up about conquering things and storming the gates of hell, hell on earth, redeeming people and bringing them into God's heaven, maybe there's some, some internal work. Storming the gates of hell that needs to happen inside of your heart, inside of mine today. We're going to spend some time here in a few minutes in communion. And we're going to do just that. We're going to do some of that hard inner work. We all have a sin nature. Remember kinetic energy. This is energy in motion. Maybe there's an action step that needs to happen here inwardly as you spend time confessing your sins, repenting of your sins, and saying, God, I choose to live a different way. From this point forward, I choose to give this part of my life over to you. There's a piece of art. Remember I told you? We'd spend some time talking about art. I got to experience this in person a few years ago. I took one of my boys on a trip to Philadelphia. That's a cool city. If you've never spent time in Philadelphia, I recommend it. I didn't even know this was there. How many of you know the um, sculptor, the artist Rodin? Liars. You don't know him. He died years ago. You know of him. Rodin. He uh, was sculpting things in like the late 1800s. He's got an art piece called The Gates of Hell. We were walking up on it, my son and I, and I said, hey, Jordan, why don't, we're going to see all these sculptures. Why don't, let's just have some fun. Why don't you act like they're acting in the sculptures? And, and we did this. So here's the thinker. That was kind of fun. And then I don't know what this one is, but that's, that's, that's great posture right there. He's copying that perfectly. And then this one was kind of fun. He laid down. Everybody in the art museum is looking like, are you going to let your kid do that? Yep. This one was fun. This is the gates of hell. And the pose that he's taking there is actually the very top of the gate of hell. That's, that's the thinker. The thinker and the stinker. Perhaps you're, you remember these particular sculptures. At the top of this gate literally is a phrase that says this, abandon every hope. Who enter here. Abandon every hope who enter here. And if you look a little bit closer at some of the images, they reflect, as I understand it, Rodin's view. He took this from Dante's Inferno, some of these images. And they're images of personal sin issues, things inside of your life, target hell 
inside of you. And so it's only fair as we think about doing battle, storming the gates of hell, we should look inward as well. Here's a target that should appear, the target of of battling sin. The Bible talks about this. We are in a battle. Well, let me read the text. This is Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. I'm on page 1,177 in the Bibles in front of you. 1,177. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 says this, finally. Be strong in the Lord. And in his mighty power, move from defense to offense. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Because your eternity might be secure, it is if you're a follower of Jesus, but the devil, he's still, he's still taking pot shots. It actually describes it here. For our, fl- our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, to stand. There's an image here of battling sin. This is moving from that passive, it's kind of the attitude of our culture sometimes today. Well, it's just kind of how it is. That's just the way things are. I just have to passively resign myself to this thing in my life, this lifestyle that I've just kind of let sneak in there. And it's got a a grip on me. I know it does. But it's just kind of what it is. It is what it is. That's not charging the gates of hell. Rather, God would call you to battle sin, to actually put some action steps, move from defense to offense. What proactively do you need to do? battling sin and pushing it out of your life. The text goes on. It keeps, we keep reading here, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 14, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place. Charge the gates of hell with truth. Charge the gates of hell with righteousness, right living, standing before a holy God, saying, I'm doing my very level best to live my life for you, my God. With your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Go on the offensive. Be countercultural. How many people would look at your social media feed and say, well, there's somebody who's living by peace? Or would they say, oh, that's somebody who just seems angry? Does the gospel of peace rule over your life? If not... Lean into that. There's an action step there to move from defense to offense and to charge the gates of hell. In addition to this, take up the shield of faith with which, oh my goodness, here's our arrow imagery, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. He might be behind a walled city. He might be behind that gate that we're supposed to be charging at, but he's still taking pot pot shots. What do you need? Well, you need your faith as a shield around you. Do you believe that God is doing what he said he'd do? Not just then, but today in your life. How's your faith? Jesus would call to grow your faith so you can charge the gates of hell. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Guard your head with the truth that you're saved. 
and pick up the offensive tool at your disposal, God's holy word, and charge the gates of hell and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Prayer. Prayer is another action step to charge the gates of hell. This is quoting Deuteronomy to the devil, right? Jesus responds when he's tempted. Yeah, you're saying, but the Bible says, how's your prayer life? How's your Bible reading life? Let's put that up there. Let's put up spiritual armor. If we're going to charge the gates of hell, I would say that's about as good of a target as any. If you aim at that, putting on those spiritual armor pieces, there's an action step there today as we move from passive defense to offense. I'm going to invite our worship team to come out. We want to put this into action. Remember kinetic energy? Action, energy, motion, charging the gates of hell. Let's put all five of those targets up there. God's called us to storm the gates, not be passive, not to sit back and say, well, okay. Now, he designed his church to be on mission, movement, energy, Motion, putting energy down range. Are you charging the gates? Are you storming the gates of hell right now in your life? Would you stand up with me? We want to take this moment right now and move it just from head knowledge and push it down just a few inches deeper into our heart. Let's sing some lyrics of some songs that we love. Let's think about the truth underneath these songs. Let's think about we're not all in the, doing this all by our own. Jesus didn't send his disciples out and say, you guys are on your own. I don't know. He said, I'll be with you to the very end of the age. I give you your mission, your great commission to go and make disciples of all nations, and I'm going to be with you. That's true today, too. Just take some moment, moments to receive that truth as you sing, as you respond with worship. And maybe you want to pick out one of those as you do. Is there one action step for you this week to move from passive to active? To move from defense to offense? How does he want you to charge the gates of hell today?